Before we begin today's episode, we have to give our patrons over at Patreon a quick shout out. We got Aperba, Eric Sari, Andy Herbrandt, Paul Campaneshi, Rock the Green, Hanson Screen Printing, Lauren L, and Kelby Goodman. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on here at the Small Little Pod, and uh, we really appreciate it. Um, all the music you hear on here is funded by you guys. Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Wisconsin Drunken History podcast episode. This is your weekly dose of the Dairy State. Uh, We are your hosts, of course. I am Eric. And I'm Russ. And today we are discussing the former Janesville assembly plant, uh, for the uh, the the GM company, um, yeah, you you probably recognize standing. it more as a Janesville GM, but it's the Janesville Assembly Plant because there's been a lot of history in that plant. Yeah, yeah, a ton, a ton, and a, a gigantic facility that Huge. thing was too. Oh, you'll hear um, about it. So uh, definitely going to to discuss all of the ins and outs and the history of that baby. We also have great Wisconsin music from Alternative Radio. Uh, we have another beer review. And of course, we have another infamous "How many local and possible interviews?" Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, and at the top of the show, of course, we always talk about uh, rate, like, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, it gets it gets old, but and it gets repetitive, but it really does help us out, and that's why we mention at the top of every show. If you don't have the money to support us, yeah. word of mouth, please. Well, yeah, and and also the the two minutes uh, tops that it takes to do some sort of a review on either Apple or Spotify. You don't even have whatever. to give a review; just click five star. If you, you like can always this. just click, just five click stars it, and too. you don't have to put any yeah. information in there. And and legitimately, what that does is it puts our podcast in a different algorithm uh, and suggests it to other people that yeah. uh, it may not have been suggested to yet. You know, by by when you 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 know if you go onto Spotify or you go to YouTube or whatever, uh, it says, "Hey, this you might like this video." You might like this song. You might like this podcast. That's all it does. It just puts us in a different place, exactly, um, which is great. And uh, for for absolutely no money at all, that's uh, that's one Huge. really significant way to do uh, to to support us. So, um, and also, hey, stop by our website, WisconsinDrunkenHistory.com. Uh, that's where you can find links to all of the important stuff. Um, most of the episodes are on there and working and functioning. Uh, we did have some issues a couple weeks ago uh, where uh, the uh, uh, the website, you know, that we that we use uh, that we do our our website through uh, the company that we do the website through. Uh, for some reason, they were just not having a good time with uh, with embedding episodes, so it, it's it's fine. But um, the 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 best way to to uh, to go about our website is is honestly the Patreon stuff. Hey, it, it, it has links directly to there. It'll explain everything about it and, and how it uh, directly impacts us and how it helps us. And then also the Tee Public, uh, which is uh, basically our merch shop. Oh, um, yeah, the WDH way. Yeah, so uh, those are both incredible ways 
uh, that for you know just a little bit of money uh, it can actually uh, directly impact us and, and give us the funds needed to uh, to actually finance this whole thing. And, and we really don't make. I just want to state it: we don't make any money in the spot. Like yeah. all the money goes to like basically the equipment, the servers, and paying for the rock bands we feature and the music. Yeah. So hey, we just recently had XLR cables. Take oh, a yeah. dump. And That's pretty much not all the money we got. <laughs> yeah, those so. are those are like thirty or forty bucks a piece. So, um, just like to always remind and 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 hey, you know what? Thank you all for for doing. Of course, what you yeah, do. we really Everything appreciate everybody. Everything you've done uh, in the last almost two years, uh, uh, I think we're approaching that mark pretty soon. It's here. getting there. If we haven't already hit it, we might have already hit it. I don't know. It was sometime in May, right? Yeah, I think our first episode came out. Yeah, uh, so. Uh, and we did the first two on the same day. Um, yeah, I think the last episode was two-year mark, 104 episodes. Yeah, I think that might have been. So uh, really, really great stuff, and, and we really appreciate everything you've done uh, to, to really help this thing out. And uh, let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, the GM Janesville Assembly Plant. So it's been about 13 years since the last vehicle came off the line at the former GM plant in Janesville, Wisconsin. And production ceased on all remaining production on April 23rd of 2009. The plant that took up probably the largest portion of Janesville Southside was a 4.8 million square foot facility and at its peak had about 7,100 workers. Before the place was laid flat and completely demolished, a lot of history had taken place on its grounds. And it actually starts back in 1918 with the Samson Tractor Division of General Motors, which was formed after a merger with the Samson Tractor Company, which was based in California, had merged with the Janesville Machine Company, who produced many many types of farm implements. And the first Samson Tractor Division that called Janeville home had employed about 3,000 workers and opened officially in 1919, with the first tractor coming out of the facility on May 1st of that year. And in the 1920s, there was a obviously a massive farm depression, and uh, we will do an episode on the farm depression that yeah. occurred here in the state. Um, and, and due to this, the company was forced to lay off about 1,000 of the workers. And Samson Tractors was eventually forced to go bankrupt. It just could not keep up after the, after the, the farm bust. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it just did it in. And it was not until Joseph A. Craig, whose name probably sounds familiar to many people in the Rock County area. Yeah, the high school's named after him. And uh, I'm going to explain why. It's probably a he's a really influential person in that area. He convinced General Motors, instead of abandoning the plant, to completely stay in the area. It was in 1920 that GM transferred his truck production from Flint, Michigan to Janesville, Wisconsin. It was in 1923 when Chevy or Chevrolet, as you probably know it, began producing automobiles in the assembly plant. Production at the factory was halted when the Great Depression struck and was down for roughly a year before production began after that. It was in 1937 when the development of the union started to begin, uh, the UAW, the United Auto Workers. And they would continue to develop uh, vehicles to the plant through its entire history. And during World War II, the assembly of the plant was taken over by the Oldsmobile Division of GM and produced many of the artillery units used to destroy the Nazis. Post-war, the production stopped of the war effort and again began to produce automobiles. And due to high demand product from people returning to war in the baby boom in 1953, so much demand that GM started a second shift to produce vehicles full-time at the Rock County area surrounding GM was prosperous, obviously. And you go there today and it's, it's just a shell of its former self yeah. around there. Yeah. It was in 1967 when Chevy actually, when GM produced its its 100 million products had been manufactured, which is a huge feat for the company. 100 millionth is a big huge. number. 
and peak production at the GM plant occurred in 1977, and by this time, the facility employed 7,100 people and produced 274,286 cars and 114,681 trucks at the facility. Over the years, the company produced some of the largest sellers of cars that are actually in the list, and the ones that probably were the big ones were the Chevy Cavalier, the Suburban, the Tahoe, the Blazer, uh, the Chevrolet Tiltmaster probably didn't take off as much as some of the other ones, the GMC Yukon and the Yukon XL, huge sellers for GM. The Chevy 210, 150. The, in the 50s, the Impala and the Bel Air were actually producer, which were like probably the most collected car of all time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Chevy Caprice, the Biscayne, the Del Rey, the full-size station wagons, pretty much all of them came off that line. Yeah. And the light-duty full-size trucks like the Chevy S10 yeah, were exactly. producer S10, short time. GMC S15. Yep. And, and the Buick Skyhark, the GMC Top Kick, and uh, Chevrolet Kodiak, which are kind of some of the lesser-known ones that were produced in this facility. Um, in the 1980s, General Motors moved large car production from Janesville and started making subcompact J cars, such as the Chevy Cavalier, which was a massive seller throughout the 80s and 90s. A yeah. lot of people I know had one at some point. Oh, uh, hell yeah, into the early 2000s. Oh, even. yeah. And in 1987, the company moved Janesville's pickup line to the Fort Wayne, Indiana assembly plant. Local efforts resulted in GM moving medium-duty trucks and full-size sports utility production from plants in Michigan to Janesville. And by 1992, it was the GM plant manufacturing large SUVs. In 2002, GM retired Janesville's medium-duty truck production to Flint, Michigan again. Wow. And obviously, you know, Flint, Michigan's in terrible dire straits, too. because Yeah, lead in their water and stuff. And, and just, you know, it's it's again like Janesville. It was booming when the automobiles were taking off. Now it's like just a depressed shell, crime, shell. crime filled. I mean, Janesville's making a recovery, at least. Yeah. But like Flint has not. No, and I think, yeah, that's kind of uh, due to its its proximity to the Detroit area as well. Uh, it's north that of doesn't Detroit. Help. But, that does not help. You know. And most recently, the Janesville Assembly Plant built full-size SUVs. It was one of three plants producing the GMT 900 trucks and the Chevy Suburban, which we've all heard of the Suburban, right? Yeah, I mean, the okay. Suburban and Tahoes are, are huge, man. It began building the next-generation short wheelbase GMT 900 trucks in January of 2006 and the long wheelbase GMT 900 trucks in March of that year. And overtime, overtime shift was added to meet the demand. So they're basically like... They need people bad. I mean, it was like peak production. From 1994 until 2009, the plant also produced medium-duty trucks for Isuzu under its partnership with GM. And those yeah. little, those little, those little the Isuzu, Isuzu rodeos. Yeah, and, yeah, those uh, little dogs. I forget what else they had. And in 2006, the Janesville GM assembly plant achieved a milestone producing more than 500,000 full-size sports utility vehicles with E85 flex-fuel capable engines. Yeah. The Janesville employees were recognized in a ceremony at the plant that included Wisconsin Governor Jim Doyle at the time. In 2007, discussion of greenhouse gas fuel emissions regulations sparked a dialogue about the future of the Janesville plant. That same year, United Auto Workers Local 95 participated in a strike at the facility. And this was a big deal in Janesville at the time. Huge. I remember this growing up. It was Yeah. I mean, we had a few friends in uh, in, in high school that their parents had worked at, uh, at GM, uh, the, the Janesville assembly plant, for years. I mean, So I was in college at the time, and that's yeah. the reason I wanted to be a mechanical engineer, to work at GM, to actually make vehicles. Wow. Which was one of my main goals. But then, obviously, we're going to hear the news coming up here. Yeah. In 2008, fuel prices that related slow sales of SUVs and the economy resulted in GM cutting back full-time production at the Janesville plant to a single shift. Combined with an ongoing employee bio program, layoffs totaled around 750 jobs in July 2008. And I remember this. I think gas was at $3. Now it's at like 4 something. I know. So it's, like, it's, yeah. it's not much different. And during GM's annual shareholder meeting by June 3rd of 2008, CEO Rick Wagoner announced that Janesville Assembly Plant would close by 2010, along with three other GM facilities, 
and could close sooner if the market debt uh, dictated. The cutbacks announced, along with other changes, were expected to save the North American division $1 billion per year starting in 2010. GM extended its annual summer shutdown an additional two weeks and planned another 10 weeks of shutdown for the remainder of 2008. Because of the excess inventory of SUVs made at the plant, obviously, like, no one's buying them. It wasn't, yeah. Those, You're not 10 miles a gallon. You just don't want that at that no, point. $3 the, a gallon. By then, the Chevy Cruze had, had uh, you know, been been the big seller then, and or, or maybe it was the Cobalt then. Uh, but then they, you know, replaced the Cobalt with the Cruze. But, yeah, at that time, those were the big ones. And then, you know, they had started to come out with uh, the hybrid vehicles, you know, like the... the uh, Chevy Spark or whatever it was. Do you, do you remember around this time when uh, we entered the Iraq War and there was lines at the fuel pumps for that last were like miles? Well, long? sure. Because yeah. like people knew the gas was going to go up so high. Yeah, I think they they feared uh, the you know like the 1970 uh, you know fuel mm-hmm. crisis. You know, in October 2008, GM announced that the production of SUVs at the Janesville assembly would end December 23rd of 2008. On that day, workers gathered at a ceremony with a banner reading "Last Vehicle Off the Janesville Assembly Line." last GM vehicle produced was a black 2009 Chevy Tahoe and was donated to United Way of Northern Rock County, which raffled the vehicle off. 57 production employees continued assembly at the work until April 23rd of 2009, completing the GM Isuzu light truck partnership, and then an additional 40 to 50 skilled trade employees worked to decommission the plant, which is pretty depressing for Janesville. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, decommissioning is, is uh, something that, you kind of you like you start to remove assets uh, and and equipment that you know can be used or sold elsewhere. Uh, you know, uh, send those back over to the Flint, Michigan plant or wherever they're going to continue to make these these vehicles or maybe the Fort Wayne, Indiana or whatever. But yeah, it's really to just kind of take everything that's important and 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 worth any money out of there. And think how many places closed because of that. Even one yeah. of the um, places I used to go, it was like an eighteen and older strip club, full nude. Do you remember that one? Um, Screaming Mimi's? Screaming Mimi's. Yeah, I used to go there all the time and and party hard. And like, you know, that all closed down right after GM because they were the big supporters of that place. That's where all the money was at, you know. But now it's like a lot of that stuff closed down. Well, there were were bars inside of the GM. There uh, were, yeah. As well, so... But today there were there there were many efforts trying to bring back the facility, and nothing seemed to be in the cards, leading to many unemployed workers and leading Rock County to face some issues with poverty, poverty and crime in the area. Today, the city has kind of bounced back and is actually a decent place to live. However, in 2018, the plant was demolished completely, and today all you see is a flat space and a parking lot, a mere husk of what it once was. There, w- there has been many talks about what will happen with the space, but as of yet, the large section of the southern area of Janesville has yet to be decided upon. Um, but it's it's pretty sad to see what was a metropolis in that area and just how much wage and how much money was actually being fueled into there. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. You know, when you take kind of like a relatively small town and uh, throw a major manufacturer into that town, and then it literally becomes the life blood for everybody there. Uh, and then in surrounding towns, too, like I said, it extended all the way out to Elkhorn oh, yeah. where, you know, people were traveling to Janesville every day for work. Um, and, and yeah, once, once that, that, uh, that, that main vein of, of money and cash flow was out, like you said, it just kind of, it, you know, breeds, uh, uh, you know, crime and chaos. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's, it's pretty depressing, like I said, but at the same time, like I'm, I'm really looking forward and Janesville has bounced back. Rock County in general has bounced back, including Beloit actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely a lot of crime still in Beloit, but it's definitely making a, bo- a bounce back. Thanks to like people like Diane Hendricks who are really investing in the community there. Yeah. 
But yeah, that's going to conclude the main uh, segment on the uh, Janesville assembly plant. We really hope you guys find this fascinating. And if you get a chance, go on uh, Google Maps and uh, do a search of the the GM plant and see how much area it actually taken up. 4.8 million square feet is a large chunk of Janesville. Huge. All right. So now on to our music segment. Woo. We got a great one today. Really good stuff here. Uh, we've got uh, the band that we're featuring is Alternative Radio. And and that's not that they're on alternative radio or anything. That's the, name, that's of the, the name of the band. Yeah. And um, the 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 new it's a newer album. Uh, Dead on Arrival came out this year, uh, and uh, the song that we that we had kind of discussed with them too was uh, a song called "She's So Cheap." I thought it just had this uh, really good old school uh, kind of eighties you know yeah punk classic sort of late seventies exactly. early eighties punk vibe um kind of has like a little rockabilly feel too to it a little bit yeah like I get some hints of that in there yeah you know? just really cool uh 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 classic it just it feels it feels like you could you could have this in like an old skate video or something for oh, like heck yeah the Bones Brigade or I could something. see this in a Zero Misled Youth yeah you know what I mean yeah. it'd be like a perfect song for that yeah or like you know Tony Hawk. Oh yeah, you know, heck if yeah. He ever, if, I don't even know if he makes video games anymore, but I don't know what he does anymore. Anyway. I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, no, but this, this one's be great. Fit. It was great, a great fit. Uh, absolutely, a, a great song uh, that, like we said, just kind of brings back the the feels uh, for for some of that original stuff that got us into this. And you were kind of telling me a little bit of the backstory. You said the guys kind of met at art school and were playing shows around the campus, and that's kind of how they got their start. Exactly. Yeah. So definitely met at the art school. Uh, started playing those campus uh, art art pop up shows. And um, and and they really do lean into uh, looking looking back at at past you know musical influences in order to kind of derive their sound and 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 really uh, hone in on something cool. So we and got like a myad punk band here, basically. basically yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, which is rad. Uh, like I said, uh, the, the song that we're featuring is "She's So Cheap." Uh, be sure to check out their new album, Dead on Arrival, uh, and also check out all of their past projects uh, and art and albums, and 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 just absolutely dive in because it's it's an absolute uh, uh, it's it's actually a, a quite big uh, uh, catalog too. So there goes the paycheck. Yeah, for me. Yep, exactly. <laughs> there goes so, the paycheck. She's so cheap. Don't do a, a thing for me, oh no. 
Right. Again, that was Alternative Radio, their new album, Dead on Arrival. Uh, that track that you just heard is actually uh, uh, it just a, a phenomenal old school track called She's So Cheap. Uh, really, really love the influence, and you can hear all of it. You can hear all of the 70s and, and 80s punk right in there so oh yeah for sure getting yeah. a lot of notes on some other like just little like lou reed type stuff a oh little yeah bit. For like sure definitely getting a little lou reed vibe yeah great stuff i love it yeah so uh definitely go check the rest of their catalog out uh, let's go ahead and jump right into our beer review segment and we've got one from uh right down the street uh in in the muskego area this one is a uh, um Muskego Light. Yeah, it's Muskego Light is the beer. And it's um, actually from the Little Muskego Brewing Company. Do you want to explain that a little bit, how that works? Yeah, so the uh, Little Muskego Brewing Company is actually just an, a subsidiary of uh, Eagle Park okay. uh, Brewing Company. So uh, everything is is done right on site uh, at the Eagle Park there in Muskego uh, over by Walmart. And it is uh, uh, just a... a, a Another another little nod that you know, hey, we're in Muskego. Yeah, we're not sure. just Eagle Park. We are, we're 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 really setting up shop here, and we want you know a beer that uh, that screams you know being out on the lakes. You know, we've got Little Muskego and Big Muskego uh, right here in in uh, this this awesome little town, and uh, both of them are are great for their own things. You know, Big Muskego is a uh, is is an amazing fishing. Uh, and wildlife type uh, setup and and great for you know the the avid outdoorsman and then the uh, little Muskego Lake is is for the 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 people that want to boat and and go out and have some fun and pontoon. drink some beers you can pontoon out there yeah exactly but yeah this one's a great one and actually Eric you were telling me I went to a bar kind of after I left here and I don't remember the name of it but this was actually on tap there so they tapped us at a lot of local establishments here didn't they? yeah I mean that's that's the the key you know. Um, they, I mean, brew a beer that uh, is going to uh, help, you know, really keep money uh, right here in, in, in the city, you know. So um, why not create an awesome beer, call it Muskego Light, which is the town name for, for crying out loud, put it on taps at, at, you know, the available restaurants and things here. And it goes directly back into the community by, you know, uh, 
Going back into Eagle Park and, and Little uh, Little Mosquito Brewing Company. So yeah, this one's again, it's uh, the Mosquito Light Beer um, coming in at 4.2% ABV. ABV. Um, just a great beer. And actually, this one actually tells you the calories. So this one's a 98 cal, has eight carbs. So you're getting a little carb. Yeah. And you're getting 0.75 grams of protein. So you get a little ham in a can, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this isn't just a, a drink. This is kind of a meal, you know. And this time we actually have cans. And uh, Eric, can you tell us where you found this can? Just so you know. I just bought it at uh, Eagle Park. You yeah, did? Just walk right in and they've got over at the counter. You can just walk right up and, and their to-go beers are... I mean, they've got a bunch of different beers uh, for to go. The can's really cool too. Kind of has like a nautical theme to it, mm-hmm. and uh, you're seeing actually the map of Little Muskego Lake with a pontoon and some river. There's like a fish swimming, a boat on the can. Really cool can art. Yeah. To be honest with you, it's it's really neat. It's right from our home of the studio here in Muskego. Yeah. And it says beer steam brewed and cold car cold carbed by cool people. So you're getting a cool people beer here. This thing is uh, absolute uh, uh, a gem. It's just a gem, it's and, it, a, and it tastes great. No, I think they did a really good job. So it kind of has that light Pilsner vibe to it, but it's definitely more malty than your Pilsner. You're getting more flavor out of it, which right. is really nice. It's uh, very carbonated, which is great. Low ABV, so you can drink this one during a hot day too, summer here in Wisco. Yeah. So this one's a great beer to just enjoy out on the lake, actually. If you're going fishing, throw a couple in your tackle box and right. head on out. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you're getting that like Pilsnery malt flavor up front. Not very bitter, definitely malty. You're not getting any hop flavor. I, at least I'm not right off the bat. I'm just getting no. the malt of that like light beer. That's Pilsner. all it is. It's a it's a grainy, uh, you know, malty beer, like you said, and it's uh, that perfect, you know, four point two percent, which is kind of right in line with everything else that you would buy uh, uh, for domestics. And um, but like you said, it has a little bit uh, heavier of a of a grain yeah. and malt feel. It, it, you can definitely great. tell tell it's not mass produced, right? You can tell it's in like a it's it's the in other a big batch, just too but watery. Yeah, they taste you know? like they're watered down. And this yeah. one, I don't think even has any of the corn flavor. I'm not getting any of the cheap corn flavor. No, the corn flakes or anything. Nope. Like, yeah, it's it's an absolute phenomenal gem. It's a, it's a great beer. Yeah, and actually the one slogan on the can that I really like, it actually says pretty local, pretty cheap, pretty good. And I'd have to agree with that title. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think this is going to win any awards by any means, but um, this is an absolute gem of a beer. If you're in the area and you have a chance to stop out and get uh, the little six-pack of Muskego Lights, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. In fact, I think you might you might find you know yourself thinking, you know, and, and now cost-wise, this isn't going to be, uh, you know, cheap the cheapest your beer, light, but, but yeah. you know, especially not your, your mass produced domestics, like we've said, but what's great is it, it just, it's a, it's a better product, uh, from a great brewery, uh, from a nice little small town. Yeah. Agreed. It's like a, it's like a more high quality Pilsner. So if you're into like those domestics or we're not, we're not beer snobs, but a lot of people call them shit beers, right? Like yeah. your domestic cheap beers. This one's a great one to kind of get into the craft world. You know, just try it. It's local. You're supporting Wisconsin, which is the best thing. And you're not supporting a big conglomerate like uh Morrison Coors, you know, oh, like yeah, you're, well, you're supporting some small little, you know, small brewery here, right in Muskego and the yeah. money's coming back to Wisconsin. So, you know, if you're going to branch out into the craft world, this is one we highly recommend. Again, this one was Muskego light beer coming at 4.2% ABV by little Muskego brewing company. Grab a seat, gather around, join us for a chat. How many logos you have? Well, hi there, folks. We got a pretty funny one for you guys today. We got one coming from uh, the legendary DUI Central, known as 
Country Thunder yeah, Local. There comes an event every year in the Wisconsin area where a bunch of hicks and rednecks get together, drink a bunch of beers. And do stupid shit. And like do the, stupid shit. Like the following <laughs> article. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to start off by uh, just mentioning the the uh, a really unique article that was written uh, and, and is featured on CBS 58's website uh, about the 2021 festival. The 2022 festival has not taken place yet. Um, but is scheduled and and, and is looks there'll, to there'll go be just forward. as many DUIs, yeah. right? It's not going to change. So the the Kenosha County Sheriff's uh, uh, had 104 citations issued in the last year's uh, uh, festival, and a seven arrests were made. Uh, I thought it's a free festival. country. I thought it's a free country. Exactly. <laughs> so I can I can already see you know, exactly yeah, how, what happened at all of these. But. And, and I remember I think it was in 2020. I remember reading an article. I think there was 25 DUI arrests. So it's a pretty common thing happening at it, Country that, Thunder. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the most common thing is actually underage drinking. There was a. Uh, uh, 79 Holy citations smokes. issued for uh, just underage alcohol uh, violations. They got so. they got a pander, right? You know. I mean, that's the thing is you brown know, beer, black shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Big just truck, big truck, big dirt mud. road, <laughs> blue jeans. It's <laughs> just fucking yeah, terrible. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, just uh, a, a classic. I, you know, I think the, the the majority of the people that visit country thunder and i don't mean to make fun of you know the the individuals that go i've been there before i've actually been there to I've see uh zz top and uh, leonard skinner leonard skinner I was, was, there for was that awesome one. show yeah the pa system chris stapleton i'd like to see yeah I chris mean, stapleton you know a great artist and but stuff, otherwise but, i'm not a huge modern country fan to be yeah honest and and so it, i i just know that you know most of them aren't even real country music fans they they, they went just go to for the, the store. chicks in the high life well <laughs> the chicks themselves are not fans and there's the majority of them are you know w- women that you know they went to the store and bought a new pair of boots they went to the store bought you i'm know, a cowgirl they probably exact, never worked a, a day hat. on their farm <laughs> never worked ever. a day on a farm at all never even seen a farm Serge, you can you can you can attest a real farmer like me like where we do a lot of farming my coat is trashed my hair is always fucked up i was dirt on and my I'm, face I'm shitty friends, boots that are like destroyed i'm friends with so many real country women None of them at all dress anything like these fake ones from the fucking music show or the music videos or any of them from Country Thunder. And let's be honest, you're not going to get laid when you got cow shit on you. I'm just going to throw it out there. You stink. You smell like ass. You stink like (laughs) Like, someone else's asshole. Oh, yeah. But I'm just saying this is a this is a a breeding ground of pandering, fake pandering country, you know, people and uh and and it's no different than basically having you know Summerfest. Right and we there. really don't have a lot on this article, but we did find it funny because it totally is like pandering. Yeah, right? this like is this about is... one particular uh, in- incident. So this one involves a 22 year old with a lifted truck, um, t- drinking in the parking lot, um, doing the pretty much the hillbilly thing, right? Like doing some chirpies, right, or whatever. Well, it's out in the it's out in the field, so yeah. It, it's a donut that you know that's uh, chirpies, whatever you turning want to call mud it. up too. Yeah, turning mud. You know, just just doing the old rebel rouse. There go them boys again type situation. You know, and uh, cops ended up pulling him over. Um, he actually ended up uh, breaking a drive shaft too. <laughs> he did. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Holy smokes! So he ruined his lifted truck. Poor guy. Right. I mean, he. Yeah. There's. Yeah. 
Why do you lift the truck though? Like, I mean, well, like, I don't. Is it just like a thing? Like, most of them do it so wrong too. And you uh, get like twelve miles of the gallon. Woo. Yeah, and, and and their their trucks now off balance, and it's just more dangerous they don't put the the right size tires on then after they do it and before we conclude the article if you guys have not already checked it out check out bull burnham's pandering you yeah. gotta check that out you're gonna laugh so hard it's like the modern country like me and sturge are both fans of like the old country like the old stuff yeah, up Merle until the and 90s and, and even some early 2000s stuff there's a little bit and then today maybe chris stapleton's really the only one i like yeah and the the uh, brothers osborne oh I yeah i like too. them too yeah they're okay they're, they're okay. not too bad but I mean, yeah. really, the modern country is totally pandering today. It's all formulated. It's disgusting music. It's, all the it's, same it's shit. terrible. Yeah. There's, if, there's, you, if you were to just look at, if you were to just pull out one verse from each one of the songs. So I don't know if any of you are like music majors, but like if you look at most of the country songs, I think all the top ten ones have the. So I don't know if you guys know four beat measure. So it's yeah. That's like the most common used. Yeah. In almost every top ten country hit right now. Yeah, it's one, so bad. Two, Formula three, four, yeah. one, two, three. With a snare a on the third, measure. with a snare on the third beat, and then right. a skip, and then the third beat, because there's no nothing in that second, first and second beat on the right. second four measure. But it's like it, it's true. They do formulate it in Nashville. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. So this individual was chirping Bernie's um, when Kenosha sheriffs ended up pulling up to the truck. Um, obviously, you know, drunk hick hick is gonna fight with the cop a little bit, right? Has to happen. A little bit of aggression. So the cop ended up not tasing him, but basically restraining him. And uh, he ended up doing a field sobriety test, got a point one zero eight. So he's over the legal limit. He's not quite, you know, I don't think he's a 16 local blackout, but he's definitely at the limit here. Point one is, and especially for somebody who's young, you know, uh, 22 is, uh, you can tell he didn't start drinking at 22, but he probably didn't start drinking until he was maybe like 17 or 18. He doesn't have a lot of history with it, and he doesn't no. have a whole tolerance built up to it. So, and you know, I, point one is is a pretty significant amount of booze. I mean, I can't I can't complain. Like my grandma used to state this: when you're in your twenties, you're full of piss and vinegar. That was her that was her saying. Sure, sure. And it is true. I mean, I I definitely have some stupid stuff I've done in my twenties. To yeah. be honest, I've never had a DUI, fortunately, but like I always probably could have. I mean, I'm not going to lie; I've done yeah. some dumb shit. Um, but I mean, we don't really have a lot more besides age twenty two and the breathalyzer, which is point one zero eight. So he's little piss he's and vinegar there. in there, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's he's rebel rousing, you know, just after he's all amped up after his country show, showing off for some girls right. with Daisy Dukes and shitty flannels that are tied up, showing yep. that revealing their belly and short shirts. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, sometimes you just got to do that, like woo, babe, you know, in your truck. And, and, uh, oh yeah, I has to. That's the standard issue. Yeah, yeah. So Dirk Bentley wrote about it. Uh, another. I mean, yeah, God, uh, just just uh, be safe if you're going to go out there. Um, if you're going to chirp Bernie's, like, do it somewhere safe in someone's field or something, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, I would just avoid avoid doing <laughs> avoid doing anything in a car if you're drinking uh, at all. I mean, exactly. Best case scenario. So. Uh, let's so, assign this man a. Uh, I, th- uh, I think I got a number. He's re- he actually probably is in the loco too. Miller might, High Life in loco is probably fueling his belly right now. Yeah. So Eric, you want to go on three, two, one, and see where you're at? Yeah, I think uh, I think I have an idea of where I want to okay. be. So three, two, one, nine. Eight. Yeah. Perfect. So eight and a half loco on this one. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. He's a little amped up. He's not super trash. Not blackout. Showing off for the ladies. <laughs> a little trash. But he's not, he's not Piss the worst. Piss and vinegar flowing. Right. So, all right, Eric, do you want us on the gap? We got eight and a half locals today. Law, Law and order. order this bitch. All right, today we're here with Eliza, your Midwest beer buddy, and who doesn't need a Midwest beer buddy? 
Yeah, we all need a drinking friend. That's for sure. So we're going to ask you, um, when it comes to craft beer, uh, do you have a favorite right now that you recommend? Oh, gosh, that's really tough. Um, <laughs> I, guess it, <laughs> I guess it depends on the style. So I always like, I always like to ask people what they like before I make any sort of recommendations. Um, personally, I'm an IPA girl, so I love IPAs. I just had one from Three Sheep uh, on Friday night. It's called Drenched. Ooh. It's like a very creamy, I think it has oat in it, but the hop combination was just fantastic. So yeah. I'm a big IPA girl. Um, I also really like sours. Yeah. So um, I have a friend who's a home brewer. Uh, he has an Instagram account too. It's called Nosy Neighbor. Yeah. And he invited me to a beer fest yesterday and he makes these incredible sours. He had a raspberry crumble sour Yum. and then he did like a margarita one and both of those were fantastic. So um, hopefully, fingers crossed, one day those can get out to the to the public. <laughs> So are, so are you guys starting up a brewery then? Is that what I'm getting at here? <laughs> yeah, awesome. I am not a part of the equation, but okay. I will 100% rep them because they have such good beer. It's yeah. amazing. And then the next question we had for you, um, when it comes to brewery tours, there's so many in the state to go and check out. But uh, do you have some favorites that you uh, recommend our listeners go and check out? Oh, gosh. Brewery tours. That seems so foreign to me now because it's been like COVID. Um, I mean, I always say lakefront for people that are out of town because there is a lot of history and it's just a really fun place. They have awesome food. It's right on the river. Um, I was able to tour Eagle Park's new facility, which is just so awesome because of their story and like how they were you know, a smaller brewery and now they're just like this big um, monstropolis and they have a lot of cool like bourbon barrel aged beers. And I mean, if you take a look back at their barrel stash, it's just from floor to ceiling. And so that one's really cool. Great. Yeah. I know we're huge Eagle Park fans here at the studio. It's in the hometown of uh, WDH here. So <laughs> and I've always wanted to go to Mobcraft Brewery tour because I hear that it's awesome, but I just I've never been um on their tour, but I love their tap room downtown. It is the best and such good people too, and they make really good sours and Yeah. Um I their fish fry rye beer. Oh, that is so good. It's delicious. Yeah. Yep. We're uh, we're really good friends with Henry down there. So one of these days maybe we can get you on uh, a really awesome tour with Henry. Yeah. I would love that. I would be so down. <laughs> and then we're going to ask you too, around where you are, um, do you have any favorite watering holes or where you can get some good brews? Yeah, in Tosa, I mean, there's so many good places and we have a lot of, I mean, breweries just all around. Like I live blocks away from the Fermentorium. We've got Venture. Um, I really like Bucketabon, so that's like a supper club type restaurant. They have a decent tap list um, and really good um, like alcoholic drinks. Like they'll do a Brandy Alexander. Nice. And they have really good food. And if you walk inside of it, you're just immediately sent back to 
like grandma and grandpa's basement. <laughs> yeah. Chairs and like all these vintage things on the walls. It is, it is a real treat inside and they have good food. So that's always a bonus. Yeah. When it comes to taxidermy and darkwood walls, that's yeah. my kind of place. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it reminds me of just being in up north Wisconsin. Oh yeah, which is my favorite places? I love up north. I yeah. I am the old sorry land of the sorry is up north, so we're up there quite a bit actually visiting family. And yeah, you're right. I mean, just those hole in the wall dive bars. I I don't fit in at the really high quality crowd, so I'm always in those places. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And then, too, um, there's a place on North Avenue. It's fairly new. It's called Drunken Cobra. Yeah. Um, a little bit more modern. I wouldn't say it's divey, but it does pull in, like, a pretty neat crowd in Tosa. Um, and then they always have really good beer on tap. They uh, have the Barrier Brewing Company, which, if you haven't tried their IPAs before, their IPAs are killer. They're so good usually higher percentage ABVs. And I think they're based out of the East Coast. I want to say New York. Okay. Awesome. awesome. uh, Yeah, I'm always interested to try different breweries from, you know, not in the Midwest. I love Midwest beer, and I always will gravitate towards those styles. But, you know, to try stuff from elsewhere is always neat too yeah and that was actually kind of leading to my next question um besides wisconsin is is there a brewery tour you recommend i know we had a huge a lot of fun at the new belgium tour yeah 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 so i love um traveling out west in oregon my boyfriend has family that lives out there so before covid we were going out there every summer and just spending time on the coast and in Bend and they live in Eugene so I mean all of those places it's just like beer city there I mean their beer is awesome Um, I really like Hot Valley so I'm starting to see Hot Valley more so in the area which is cool and they had just a really neat flight board I think there were like 15 or 20 beers on the flight board and then outside this super cool patio with like hops everywhere and yeah it was so hot valley was really neat um and then i also really like there's a very small town on the coast it's called yaha and they have a local brewery called yaha brewery and they also have a farm store where they pickle like all different vegetables and they make like this really interesting food with fresh seafood and they make all of their sauces and their beer is really good too. They do um, a lot of sours, saisons, IPAs. So if you ever have the chance of getting out on the West Coast, I would highly recommend shopping in Yaha. Oh yeah, Um, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then when we were in Bend, um, I really liked uh, the Bend Brewing Company. So, okay. and that was right along the river. So, I know I'm just like throwing out so no. many options, but no. I, I, if I didn't live in the Midwest, I would 100% live on the West Coast. Yeah. So, Eliza, can I throw one out to you that I, I hope you guys get a chance to go and check out? Yes, please. And uh, it's in the land of the FIB, aka Illinois, mm. unfortunately, <laughs> but it is in the southern portion um, called Scratch Brewing Company. 
And what they do is they forage all the ingredients for their beer. So it's all naturally made right on this like farm in the middle of nowhere, basically. And I highly recommend if you get a chance to go down to Southern Illinois. And it's called Scratch Brewing Company. Scratch Brewing Company. And I recommend that to the listeners as well. It's really cool. That sounds amazing. And the best part of traveling to Illinois is on the way back home, you're like, yes. We're going back to Wisconsin. Yes. So I was just the ride home is just as enjoyable as the trip itself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's nothing better than crossing the Cheddar. Literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally the best part about going to Illinois is coming back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But thank you so much, Eliza. Uh, we wanted to know um, how can we find you on social media and where can we uh, reach out to you for uh, when we need our Midwest beer buddy. Yeah, so um, I have an Instagram page called Your Midwest Beer Buddy, and along with the Instagram page, I also have an Untapped, which I'm sad to say I haven't been updating as much since I started the Instagram, but um, you could follow me there too. Uh, my name on Untapped is Ham's Highway. Um, nice. So, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. I'm I'm a Hams beer girl. I've always liked Hams. That was my drink of choice in college. Nice. And then also great because no one else wanted to drink it. Exactly. So. Yeah. So it was all yours. I mean, nobody else. Was, <laughs> yeah. Nobody was stealing your beer. What was it that we were drinking? That nobody drank Red Dog was our go-to yeah, college I mean, beer. Nobody drank it, but we was, would like. Oh, hey, it's Red Dog. Ooh. There was there was a lot of beers in college. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But, but Eliza, yeah. Did, no, go ahead, Eliza. I'm oh, sorry. I'm Oh, yeah. No, you're fine. I was just going to say, yeah, if anyone ever needs, like, any recommendations on, like, breweries or beer or, like, I'm always interested to meet new people and, you know, experience what they like, um, hit me up on Instagram, send me a message. Um, Yeah, and thank you guys for this opportunity. This is so cool for me. Like I was saying, like, I love podcasts. I barely listen to music anymore because I just, I listen to podcasts, and yeah. so having the chance to be on a podcast is just—it's really cool. So thank you guys so much. Of course, Absolutely. and we and thank we love you. the reason we reached out is we love seeing your photos pop up, yeah, like oh. just of all the awesome beer you drink, and yeah. we think it's just amazing. And uh, we really thank you for your time today, and uh, we look forward to grabbing beers maybe at Mobcraft and taking a tour with you. Yes, I would love that. That would be fantastic. So let's definitely set that up. Very all soon. right. Yeah, we will. Have a nice rest of your Sunday as well. Yeah, you too. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, right, Eliza. Thanks. Bye. 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 All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home. home.